you do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only. Let every nation know, whether it wishes us well or ill, that we shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe, to assure the survival and the success of liberty. What up, what up? This is your boy Rob Clark welcoming you to the 22 November Network. Get ready for another exciting edition of the Lone Gunman Podcast featuring me, that's right, your boy Rob Clark coming at you. Stay tuned. Be right there. Christmas from the Lone Gummit Podcast and the 22 November Network. Wishing you and yours the best this holiday season. And welcome to another exciting edition, like I just said, of the Lone Gummit Podcast. Episode number 39, I believe. We'll go with that. Today we're going to get into a little bit about Marina Oswald and expose her for who she really is and what she really is and what she represents uh, to this country and this case. Uh, she's, she is very, very important. Uh, but first, I just want to, as we close out the year, um, thank each and every one of my listeners out there. Uh, for sticking with me through the good times and the bad, uh, you know I'm truly, truly blessed to be able to do this and uh, get great feedback from from all you guys out there. Because it, you know, it just boils down to wanting to have a conversation. You know, like I've said many times, you know, it's it's I got nobody to talk to about this stuff in my real life. <laughs> they all look at me like I'm crazy, like like. You know, why do you even care? You know, I get that a lot. Why do you even care? And I actually feel sorry for the people that ask me that because they obviously don't understand the ramifications of what happened 50 years ago. You know, this world has changed 
a ton in the last 51 years since President Kennedy was assassinated. And not for the better. And it's it's steadily on a downhill slide. And I see many parallels between the the ancient Roman Empire and, and uh, what we have going on here today. You know, I learned a, a pretty valuable lesson studying that. You know, the, the Romans always said, you know, you give people bread and circuses. And they're going to be blind to what you're trying to do. And that's true. And it's even more true today. Um, not only do we have fast food on every corner, do we have access to food without having to work for it? You know, our ancestors had to had to grow food in the ground, harvest food out of the ground, you know, and prepare food. You know, it was a big, long process just to eat, just to stay alive. And now it's something that everybody takes for granted that it's so easy. And the circuses, okay... Yeah, yeah, we still have circuses, but uh, they've gotten a little bit more advanced. You know, we have the internet, we have computers, we have televisions, we have smartphones. Uh, you know, you name it. We have fake-ass celebrity gossip and the whole nine yards. That's our circuses of today. You know, and you see it happening. You know, that, that they give us bread and circuses. So nobody pays attention to what they're doing behind the scenes. And for those of you out there with your eyes open, you know what I'm talking about. Because you see it. You see the American empire growing out through the world. And not always nicely. What we see on the news is not always a representation of, of what we're, of how it's really going down, you know. You know, I think... You know, we have bases in like 170 countries, something like that. You know, most, you know, almost all of the countries in the world are on the, on the dollar, the oil, the, the oil dollar, petrodollar. And it's an, it's an empire. We have our tentacles out everywhere. We, we, we rape countries of their natural resources. Uh, we treat their people like crap. And then we wonder, you know, <laughs> why everybody hates America so much. You know, it's not because we have Levi's and Kim Kardashian, okay? It's because of the atrocity, atrocities that we commit on these other countries and their people. Um, you know, years ago, politicians used to do things based on the wants and the needs of the voters that elect them and get them reelected. And nowadays, it just doesn't matter. They don't care. They can do what they want as long as they have, as they have their, their sponsors, their, their rich uh, sponsors and their corporate sponsors. They do what they want and, and damn the people. And, you know, God forbid we ask for anything. I don't even think our vote matters anymore at this point, especially for the presidency, which is a joke in and of itself. You know, just a figurehead. You know, especially all the lies and deceit, uh, you know, going on to get this last one elected. And you really think Americans reelected him after all of his hope and change nonsense? 
you know, and, and to which he totally did a 180 degree turn. Mr. Mr. Constitutional lawyer who likes to, you know, you might as well take a piss all over the constitution. You know, he just disregards it. You know, he's making (coughs) these presidential, uh, declarations and signing bills into law that totally go against what the the forefathers wanted for the constitution and it's sad and people let them get away with it because what are we going to do you know everybody's so preoccupied with their daily life just trying to stay afloat i mean we've got you know people just run ragged you know people just don't care as much anymore you know at least i know i don't you know, I just want to get through my work day, you know, and then I got to run. I got to pick my kids up from school. I got to go home and make dinner. We got to get them in the bath. And by the time it comes to the end of the night to where you can sit down and relax, you're too tired to do anything. And that's what they want. They want your mind numb. They don't want you to think about things. And when people tell me, why do you even care about the Kennedy assassination? That's so dumb. You know, it's, it, oh, you're obsessed. Well, no, it's, it's got nothing to do with that. You know, it's, it's a great, it's one of the great mysteries of all time. Yes, that is true. And yes, there is, you know, a part of me who would love to be the one that solves it all and can prove this and that. And that's the delusional side of me um that's a fairy tale because if it could be done it would already be done now most researchers out there have a very very good idea of what they believe based on their research happened that day and i was just telling somebody earlier in in in, uh my JFK New Orleans group, Garrison group. You know that if you're a good researcher, then your opinion and your feelings and your thoughts about what happened that day are going to change. They are going to evolve based on whatever new evidence you encounter and have to incorporate into your theory. Some things you might have to throw away based on what you feel is a stronger theory about what happened that day you know even to this day this very very day I learned something new about the Kennedy assassination that I did not know before and that can happen for you if you look for it on a daily basis you know one day you might think you've got it all figured out and then here comes a bombshell dropped in your lap to make you rethink everything and it makes it even harder when you have all this nonsense that people try to put out there as so-called evidence. You know, I was I was arguing in, in one of the groups uh, earlier today, and this guy said, "Oh yeah, George Bush was a he was a spotter for Tony Nestor Iscadero in the Dow Tex building, and he was arrested when he left and." Uh, he was a, said he was an independent oil man. And I, I replied, you know what? <clears throat> as, as great and, as, and fantastical as that story would be if it was true, 
I can't base my evidence and my thoughts on on the evidence of a colorized blob. Okay, I just can't do it. It's uh like paradelia. You know, when you see a, you know a horse in the clouds or whatever, you know, the human mind tries to make sense of what it sees even if it doesn't even look like anything. You know, and somebody somebody can see George Bush and his hairline in a window, you know, behind a shooter. That's great. But you know what? I don't. I don't see it. It means nothing to me. It's less than evidence. Okay. But it's sad because other people take people's words for things without even bothering to look to look any further. You know, like the picture of George Bush outside the Texas School Book Depository that everybody thinks is George Bush. You know, if they took the time to just Google, okay, who took the photograph, okay? His name was William Allen, okay? And that's not the only photograph that he took that day. In fact, he took many, many photographs that day in Dealey Plaza. And one of the other ones in his series of photographs taken just moments apart from the so-called George Bush figure is another shot where we can actually see the face of the George Bush character. And it's not George Bush. And it is the same guy. They have the same suit on, the same pattern on the suit, same skinny tie. You know, and people say, oh, no, one's got rounded lapels. And, you know, it's about... That, that's all due to the angle that the, that the photographs were taken. I'm sure the guy would snap a picture, move, you know, a couple a couple steps one way or the other, take another picture, move around, see something that they thought was interesting, snap another picture. You know, people need to understand that these are just slivers of moments, seconds, <clears throat> fractions of seconds in time. Okay? And if you watch somebody especially a group of detectives, okay, who are standing around trying to figure something out, they move. They put their hands in their pockets. They straighten their suit. You know, they move their hands around. They might tuck their shirts in. You know, their, their hands are moving when they're talking to people. People move, okay? They're not statues. And, you know, people need to remember this when it comes to photo, photographs and it's very important with the Oswald in the doorway thing, too. You know, these people think that, that, you know, all these people in the photograph are statues and they don't move. That's not true. Also, when you look at a photograph, you're looking at a 2D image of a 3D reality. Okay? You're going to have things that, like what's called a, a 3D layering effect. When it comes to the when it comes to the doorway, where people, it, it kind of looks weird because everybody's stacked on top of each other because we're looking at a flat two dimensional image of a three dimensional reality, and things get messed up, and people misinterpret it. But getting back to George Bush, you know, and they say, oh no, he was in the he was in the in the uh, the National Bank building in downtown Dallas that day. Really? Where's the proof? The picture that Richard Hook did of, of 
supposedly of George Bush and the Dow text is not proof. The photograph of supposedly George Bush outside the Texas School Book Depository is not evidence. It's not proof of anything. Okay, and, and the so-called mystery unidentified oil man arrested outside the Dow text building, you know, it's, it's either one of two things, okay? It's not George Bush, okay? I have a picture by Jack Beers, who was another photographer in Dealey Plaza that day. And the cops are walking this old man in this, in this, uh, kind of a mid, mid-length overcoat, older man, you can tell he's, he has money, it, could this be the unidentified oil man, possibly, you know, the cops are with him, they're walking him, they got his, their hand on his elbow, you know, like they're arresting him and taking him somewhere, this could be the guy, okay, or it could have been referring to Jim Braden, or, you know, Eugene Hale Braden, or whatever his name was, you know, he was, a self-proclaimed oil man. He went to Texas to talk to H.L. Uh, Hunt about some oil contracts. Could that be him? Possibly. <laughs> but there's no proof whatsoever that George Bush was involved in all that. None. You know, people want to be able to tie a nice little bow on the assassination and pin it on George Bush. And pin it on LBJ. Because it's just so convenient to do so. But when you look at aspects of the case as a whole, there's no way in hell Lyndon Johnson could control things that 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 much. Or LB or or George Bush. You know, was George Bush in the CIA back then? Maybe. Probably. You know? Is he a bastard human being? Is he disgusting? Is he despicable? Just like Lyndon Johnson? Sure. But that doesn't make him a mastermind of an assassination. Okay? It just doesn't. Sorry, I need more proof than that. And there's better evidence available. So, I discount the LBJ theory and the Bush did it theory. I'm not having it. You're going to have to do better than whatever has been brought forward to this point for me to buy into either one. <clears throat> now, let's get into what I wanted to talk about today, and that is Miss Marina Oswald. Where to begin? Let's start at the beginning, okay? Who was she? Well, we know she was the niece of the Russian equivalent of the FBI over there. A lot of people like to say KGB, but he really wasn't KGB. He was more like a State Department, FBI type, a colonel or in whatever you know organization he was in. Now, something happened with her parents when she was 16, when she had to go to live with her uncle. And she enrolled in pharmacy school. And the interesting thing about Marina is this. She managed to meet three American defectors in 1959. 
three. The first one, I can't remember his name. The other two are Robert Webster and Lee Oswald. She had relations with two. That would be Robert Webster and Lee Oswald. And she married one of them. Excuse me. She married one of them and had his baby. That's Lee Oswald. So how did this young, pretty young, innocent Russian girl manage to meet in a country as big as Russia, the USSR, in the whole country, okay, out of millions and millions and millions of people, how did she manage to meet three American defectors, have relations with two of them, and end up marrying one within six weeks of meeting them? Well, that thought alone intrigued me. And I thought long and hard about this. That's not an accident. That's not a coincidence. Okay? That is a plan. Now, you might be saying, well, there's, there's nothing to back that up. There's, You're right. There's not. But, I mean, think about it in terms of the sheer odds of that happening. They're astronomical. They're beyond coincidence. Okay? And why a teenager? Why this 17, 18 year old young lady? Who was she? Well, I'll tell you. Now, before she met these defectors, Okay, there's a story about Marina that not a lot of people know about. And it's very intriguing. There's a story that, uh, or an allegation, I should say, that Marina was raped at age 16 by an Afghan, Afghani ambassador. And that she was kicked out of Leningrad for suspicion of prostitution. Now... You might say to yourself, what is this girl doing sleeping with an Afghani ambassador to Russia and meeting all these defectors? Well, all of her high-profile targets and, air quotes, relations, okay, is probably, she was probably being used as what we call a honeypot, where... You know, she, she gained intel, uh, you know, through the benefit of pillow talk. You know, tongues tend to loosen when the clothes come off and some alcohol is imbibed. Now, Marina supposedly graduated from pharmacology school at age 14. And with her parents out of the picture, of course, uh, you know, her uncle took her in following the Leningrad incident. Okay. Now, who knows how she could have been used and trained by the KGB and you might think I'm crazy, but there's a movie out that, uh, I think it came out a couple years ago. It's called Hannah, H-A-N-N-A. And it tells a story of a former CIA agent who manages to escape with an experimental uh, two-year-old orphan. And he trains from a young age to be fluent in several languages, 
in, in the art of deception, uh, martial arts, fighting techniques, how to use various weapons, and how to kill, all before the age of 16. And to think the Russians, and probably the CIA, weren't exploring every avenue of spycraft back in the 50s is crazy talk. They would have done anything to get the upper hand on their enemy. Now, Marina, and this bothers me too. It really, really bothers me. Because when Marina was interviewed by the FBI, you know, James Hosty, when he first showed up, at the, when he first showed up there, you know, that, that November 22nd to, uh, to talk, Mar Ruth Payne had to translate for Marina. Now, <clears throat> you know, Marina claimed not to know English. Even, even for her Warren Commission testimony, she had an interpreter. Okay? Now, just as Oswald claimed not to know good Russian while he was there. And that's from John Armstrong's research. And what better way than to be able to understand what's being said around you in a different country, okay, when, when people think you don't know their language. So, for example, Marina's here. Everybody thinks, oh, she just speaks Russian. She doesn't understand English. You know, we can say whatever we want around her. And same with Oswald. Oh, this crazy American, he doesn't know Russian. And, you know, they can say whatever they want around him. But he really knows what they're saying. And so does Marina. Because um, many people, you know, claim to have heard Oswald talk and he had a perfect accent, like a Belarus, Belarusian accent. And, uh, you know, Marina thought he was a native when she first met him, supposedly. You know, she said his Russian was, was excellent, you know. But I think it was uh, some housekeeper or something that John Armstrong tracked down that, that knew Lee Oswald and Marina from the time in Russia, and she claimed that Oswald didn't know Russian, okay, didn't speak Russian. So that tells me they're up to something, both Marina and Lee. Now, we all know Lee was probably part of what we call the false defector program, and you can go back and listen to my previous episode. I'm not sure what episode it is, but it's called Operation Redskin. And he was likely a part of this program, you know, of these false defectors sent over to Russia to gather intel, get behind that iron curtain, and then get back out and bring back intel, pictures, uh, you know, where things are located, how Russian life is, you know, things, things of that nature. Now, there is evidence of Marina sending letters in English. Entering into business deals and contracts written in English. Yet somehow she needs an interpreter when interviewed by the police and secret services and subsequently to the Warren Commission. So why the big charade? Um, let me see here. I'm sorry. I'm going back and looking at my previous uh, thing here. Yeah, she had a business deal with uh, I think it was Jim Martin. Is that his name? 
Uh, and she moved into this guy's head. Yeah, James Herbert Martin. Uh, Ms. Marina Oswald is presently living at this address as of December 21st, 1963. So this was after the assassination. After she moved out of Ruth Payne's house, she moved in with James Herbert Martin, who apparently was also uh, a lawyer. At 10.40 a.m., uh, Mrs. Ruth Payne was observed at the front door. Mr. Martin was told by Secret Service agents that Mrs. Payne had been informed that she would not be permitted to see Mrs. Oswald. Mrs. Oswald went to the back of the house and remained out of sight while Mrs. Payne was there. Mr. Martin opened the front door and Mrs. Payne entered without being invited into the house. She brought some packages she stated were for the Martin children and a package which had come to her address through the mail from Mrs. Oswald. Mrs. Oswald's package was given to the Secret Service after she left for examination, but the packages for the Martin children were not checked. Mrs. Payne stated that she wanted to get acquainted with Mr. Martin. He reminded her that he had that he had come to her house in Irving and picked up Mrs. Oswald's possessions. Mrs. Payne said that so many people had been there she did not remember him. Mrs. Payne expressed a desire to contact Mrs. Oswald and was told by Martin that she was not having any visitors and that he had not been asked to reveal her whereabouts. Mrs. Payne's actions were indicated she knew or at least suspected that Mrs. Oswald was living with the Martins. Mrs. Payne left at 12.20. She drove a 55 Chevy station wagon, color two-tone green, bearing 63 Texas license number NK4041, which is registered to her at 2515 West 5th Street, Irving, Texas. Mr. Martin stated that he thought Mrs. Payne had gotten his address from Joe Fisher at the Statler Hotel. She mentioned that she had talked to Fisher. The Secret Service, the Secret Service agent on duty declined to comment on the relationship between Mr. Martin and Mrs. Oswald or Martin's reasons for taking her into his home. They stated that Mrs. Oswald had been made some offers, the nature of which they could not disclose, that could bring her a substantial amount of money. And they implied that Martin was supporting her and going to manage her affairs for a percentage of the profits. They, st they stated that as far as the Secret Service was concerned, Martin might as well have the money as anybody else. And this is from T.T. Wardlow, detective of the... Uh, criminal intelligence section and this was to uh, Captain Ganaway Special Service Bureau of the Dallas Police Department on December 23rd 1963 so yeah in the aftermath of all that happened within a month okay Marina found solace at the home of Jim Martin she was romantically linked to him and, and entered into some kind of a business deal with him acting as her agent Marina came into quite a bit of money from pity donations from around the world, almost to the tune of $700,000, which by today's standards will be the equivalent of about $5 million. Not including her book deal and movie rights, this partnership fell apart rather quickly, and Marina married Ken Porter about a year later. After the assassination and after being in protective custody with Robert Oswald and mother-in-law Marguerite, she never spoke to or saw either one again. Her children, June and Rachel, would never know their uncle, grandmother, or any part of the Oswald family. After everything they did for her and Lee upon returning from Russia, she shut them completely out of her life. <laughs> wow. Okay, and... and Moving on here, June Oswald was born in Russia 
after Lee and Marina married, so she is most likely to be Lee's. Oswald suspected Marina of cheating on him, which fueled many of their fights. With all that Lee was engaged in with working a job, plus all he was doing with his pro-Castro, anti-Castro activities, he was hardly ever home. So, <laughs> alright, let's get right into this. Um, by the way, I, I think Rachel doesn't look like Lee. Uh, you can see Lee Oswald in, in June, in June Oswald's face. I can't see him in Rachel. In fact, to me, Rachel looks a hell of a lot like Carrie Thornley, to be honest with you. Go look for yourself. Um, just saying, that's all. Um, but here's what I think Marina was. Okay? And I think the FBI was interested in her. You know, they were interested in her more than Lee. You know, because she was from Russia you know and, and came to the United States and she was likely part of some kind of a program in Russia you know to meet these defectors and and figure out everything she could about them and, and report back and exactly what they were doing okay maybe she fell in love with Lee you know maybe she was just playing a part the whole time and ended up getting pregnant um you know, it's hard to say. They were both trying to get back to Russia uh, near the end. You know, first it was just Marina and Lee writing on Marina's behalf to get back to Russia, and then it evolved into him wanting to go back with her. Now, I don't know if Lee was just doing this so he could be around his kids or, or what have you. I'm not sure. But, I mean, think about it. Smack dab in the middle of the Cold War... Okay, you have a defector, a treasonous defector, bringing a Russian wife back into the country. You're going to pay attention, okay, because, you know, the, the powers to be that orchestrated the Oswald defection were not stupid, okay? And, you know, we had double agents. We, we knew what was going on. They knew what we were doing, and we knew what they were doing. You know what I'm saying? And then they both pretended like neither one knew what they were doing. You know, it was a necessary evil to at least go through the motions. And hopefully, you know, you pull one, you, you know, you pull one over on them eventually. Now, it's not out of the realm of possibility for the powers to be here to understand that Marina was likely a plant, a project an agent of some sort from Russia, you know, sent to come over here and spy and report back about our daily life, about, you know, different things going on over here. Or maybe it was just to keep an eye on Lee Oswald, you know, just to see what he's doing and report back to the State Department. Who knows? But I believe with every ounce of blood in my body, That she was up to something. Because there's an interview, and I'll post this up on the 22 November Network, uh, .wordpress.com site, where I believe it's, it, it, I think it's about a month after the assassination. She does a television interview, 
and her English is really not that bad. <laughs> okay, she speaks English. You know, sure she has a heavy accent, but she speaks English. Yet she needs an interpreter for the Warren Commission. That doesn't make sense. You know, and I saw her, I guess it was about 30 years after the assassination on a Jack Anderson show. And it sounds like she just got off the boat from Russia. You know, I don't understand it. I mean, you somebody that's been in this country for 30 years, forced to speak our language and, and, and understand our language, and she can't speak better than that. I mean, it is a very, very thick accent where she, and some things that Jack says she doesn't understand what he means very very odd behavior for someone who's been in this country for 30 years um, and they likely told her when they had her that look we know what you are we know what you're up to we know what you've been doing we know why you're here now you got one of two choices. You know, we can keep your kids here since they're American citizens and we can send you back to Russia. Or you can stay here. You can keep your mouth shut and you can say what we want you to say. You know, you're going to you're going to cooperate and we're going to pin this on your husband whether he did it or not. And, you know, because she, she told him things like that she took the backyard photos, you know, that Lee had a gun. You know, all this stuff just incriminated the hell out of Oswald in the eyes of the American people. And that's exactly what they wanted. And that's exactly what she gave him. And as time goes on, you know, it would be normal for her to second guess herself and, 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 and so on and so forth. You know, but... <laughs> And sure, she's publicly changed her opinion over time, you know, depending on researchers. And, and all the researchers that I've heard that have talked to her say she's a very nice lady, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, and she, but she married Ken Porter awfully damn quick, okay? Because she knew if she was single in this country with her American kids... You know, they could send her back any time. But if she was married to an American here, you know, the chances of her being able to stay go up. But by that time, the Warren Commission report was over and done with. The investigation was supposedly closed and done and moved on. And it's all very, very curious. But I understand why she did it. You know, and, there, and the, there's people out there that, you know, gave her all kinds of money because they felt sorry for this poor, poor widow, you know, who's, who's, who beat her and treated her like shit, you know, killed the president, you know, and this poor, poor sweet lady just had a baby and, you know, has, has another little toddler and they felt sorry for her and they sent her all kinds of money. You know, and I don't know what happened. You know, it's... And then there's, there was another article done by People Magazine in the 70s 
where, you know, she's some kind of, like, fashionista, you know, like, her, she's got a new hairdo, and, you know, she's, it's, it's very, very surreal, you know, and about how her life is now, you know, you know, 10 years after, or whatever, the assassination, which is a very weird read, I'll post that up there, too, um, you know, Marina was a very, very beautiful woman back in the day, you know, she, she, she hasn't held up too, too well over the years, but, you know, hell, who does? So, but, uh, very interesting. Like I said, she was likely trapped. You know, they, they knew what she was and they called her on it and they told her, look, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do this. You know, it's either this or you go back and we, and your kids stay here. And what, what person, you know, doesn't want to be with their kids. So, you know, I don't fault her for what she did, but time's ticking, time's moving on, people are dying, and people are always safer when their story is out in public. And that goes for everybody out there, Buell Frazier, Marina Oswald, Robert Oswald, the time is ticking, the time is now, just come public and tell what you know, you know. Any one of them could flip this entire investigation and the entire research community on its head if Marina would just come out and say, look, you know, I was young. You know, the Russians turned me into this, you know, sex spy machine, you know, whatever, killing machine, whatever she is. And they sent me over here to keep an eye on him or they sent me over here to spy and then the American government told me that I had to say this, I had to say that. You know, I don't know if Lee shot anybody or not, but, you know, this is what happened. This is my story. And just come clean, you know, just come clean. That's all I'm asking, you know. Can't ask for any more than that. But that's it for this one. And once again, everyone, thank you, thank you, thank you. You've made it a very, very great year for me, and I couldn't thank you more. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to check out my buddy Doug Campbell's podcast, The Dallas Action. You can find it on Spreaker and Stitcher and 22NovemberNetwork.com. I hope everyone out there has a lovely and joyous holiday season. Catch me on the flip side next year. We'll be back full strength raring and ready to go hopefully I'll have have a new show coming soon as well so be on the lookout for that but in the meantime people the some bitches in the can up to the satellite beam down directly to your ears this is your boy Rob Clark wishing you a merry merry Christmas peace
right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only. Restrictions may apply. Plans and costs of coverage may vary. Call Protect My Car for details. In these hard economic times, you've got to do whatever you can to save money. One of our biggest expenses can be our cars, especially when unexpected repair bills hit. Not anymore. If you do own a car, truck, or SUV made from $19.99 or higher, you could stop paying for car repairs. That's right. You might not have to pay a penny to have it repaired. Just dial star star 1149 on your mobile phone now to see if you qualify. You must have an automobile made from $19.99 or higher. And all repairs for your engine transmission and much more can become a thing of the past dial star star 1149 on your mobile phone today and get your car protected before your next repair bill hits that's right total protection for your car and no more repair bills just dial star star 1149 on your mobile phone now to see if your car qualifies that's star star 1149 never pay for car repairs again just dial star star 1149 on your mobile phone now dial star star 1149 